Well, today we are continuing our series, Walk the Talk. We've all known people in our lives who could talk the talk, but when it actually came to doing stuff with their life, they weren't quite able to live up to that. And of course, sometimes we have to admit that the same could be said of us as Christians. A lot of times as Christians, we might talk the talk, but do we really walk the walk? Or is that label of hypocrisy that sometimes we get, maybe, maybe it feels just a little bit justified. So this is a series about helping us make sure that we're really following Jesus, that we're really following Jesus and doing the things that help us spiritually grow. And for the scriptures today, I want to turn to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, I realize, kind of looking back a little bit, that I haven't preached on Hebrews 10 as like a as a primary text ever, and I haven't even looked at the book of Hebrews in terms of preaching in a long, long time. So let's turn there. The writer writes, Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened for us through the curtain, that is, his body, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart, and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day approaching. This is God's word. And we talked in week one about the need to show up. First and foremost, if we're going to talk about Christian practices and how we're supposed to, to, to follow God well or to follow in the footsteps of Jesus, showing up, worshiping weekly is the foundation of the Christian life. And yet, sadly, today, the average active Christian only shows up to worship about once a month. And those are active Christians. These are not people in Christian in name only. And so we talked about the story of Paul and Silas rescuing a slave girl from demonic possession by the name of Jesus. Just the name of Jesus could drive that out. And then being rescued from prison themselves through their worship. And they taught us three things, three things that Paul and Silas knew about worship. Number one, that worship is connection. It connects you with God. They knew that when things were at their worst, they needed to be connected to God. Before they pray their way out, before they find their way out, before they call for help, they knew their first call was always to God. They were looking for heavenly answers to earthly problems. Number two, they knew that worship is unifying. Worship connects you with God, but it also connects you with each other. Because it's not just about you and God, it's about us and God. And so it unifies us. And Paul and Silas knew that they needed each other. And over time, through their worship, the other prisoners knew that they needed each other and perhaps that they needed God. And even the jailer came to know that he needed the rest of them and that he needed God. So worship connects you with God. Worship is unifying with each other. And lastly, worship 
is powerful. In fact, it's our great superpower. It was the power of worship, the name of Jesus, that ripped the demon out of that girl. Worship ripped open the bars of the jail cell, and the simple act of praying and singing, it caused a violent earthquake, and it shook the whole foundation of the prison. So that's showing up. Today, we're going to talk about a new step. This one is called circle up, the need to circle up so that we grow in our spiritual maturity. And our reading from the book of Hebrews is really kind of all about that. Now, Hebrews was written to a Jewish audience. That's why it's called the book of Hebrews, because it was written to Hebrew people, to Jewish people. And it's talking to them about becoming followers of God. How do you follow God? See, these are Jewish people who have come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. But the truth is that actually changes a lot of things. You're not to just go back to temple and just do Jewish things the Jewish way. No, following Jesus actually changes a lot. They're doing a new thing. These are people who already understood the history of the Jewish faith. They understood the sacrificial system. They came to know worship as it is used in the temple itself. And so the book of Hebrews is trying to teach them that God is up to something new. No longer are we going to have a temple that's divided by a class system, that divides the people based on your rank and what kind of class you are. See, for example, the Holy of Holies, the most important part of the temple, only the high priest could go there. He was at the top of the class system, and he could only go there once a year. The Holy of Holies is where the Ark of the Covenant was kept. Think Raiders of the Lost Ark. And there was a huge curtain in front of this area. It was like a veil, and it blocked the Holy of Holies from the congregation. The reason they did that is they believed that if regular people were in the full presence of God in the Holy of Holies and where the Ark was, they would all die. And even the high priest, the one picked as the holiest out of the entire congregation, only the high priest, and only after he is ritually purified fully, could enter in there, and only once a year. This huge curtain was 30 feet from top to bottom, and it was four inches thick. Talking about blackout curtains. It was four inches thick. They said at the time that you could take two donkeys and tie them to the top of the curtain, and they could not rip it in half. We'll try that for another sermon series. I can't wait. There's also another rumor that before the high priest went in, they would tie a rope to his ankle as if he went into the presence of God, and what would happen if he died? Nobody's going in there to get him because they'll just die too. And so they would drag him out by the rope. Hey, Bob, you doing okay in there? I don't think the high priest was named Bob. but So the high priest was first in this class system, and then behind him you had the different priests who were closer to the Holy of Holies as well. And then there was the court of Israel. This is where the men worshipers were allowed to go. And then you had the court of women. They were all separated from each other. So couples, they didn't sit together in the congregation, and of course the women were stuck with the kids. 
So it was all kind of a rank system with the high priest and then the priests and the court of Israel, the men, and then the court of women. And then outside of it all was the court of Gentiles. This is where non-Jewish people were allowed to be a part of the temple. And this whole class system existed. In fact, it's in the court of Gentiles where Jesus walks into the temple area and he sees the money changers. And he's so mad that he starts to turn over their tables and he drives the money changers out. It's that area called the court of Gentiles. And they didn't really care about preserving a place for Gentiles to worship. And that's why Jesus was so mad. It wasn't necessarily only about the money at all. Jesus was mad because they were blocking outsiders the chance to get to know God, the chance to worship God. So the temple, it had this complex system of sacrifices and a class system. Like with the sacrifices, maybe for a minor sin, you might give a grain offering. If it was a more major sin, you might offer an animal or a larger animal for like your holy days. And there in the middle of it all, is the Holy of Holies, the Ark of the Covenant, and it's blocked by a 30-foot curtain that's four inches thick. And the last time we hear of this, this curtain, is at the crucifixion of Jesus. To me, all the things that are amazing about Good Friday, I mean, think about it. There's an eclipse, everything goes dark. There's an earthquake, there's tombs that open up, and it, the dead come back to life, and they're walking around kind of like a zombie apocalypse. But the thing that's the most amazing to me isn't necessarily any of that. It's because at the moment that Jesus gives up his spirit and dies, that curtain in the temple rips from top to bottom. And now everybody can see the Holy of Holies. Nothing is blocking their access to the presence of God. And that's why Hebrews says in, in chapter 10, it says, therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way opened up for us through the curtain that is his body. No longer is there this big curtain, the curtain, the access to God is Jesus. It's Jesus, and by his body and by his blood, this curtain is opened up that we have full access to God. You see, it's one thing for a good man to die for a crime that he didn't commit. That would make him a martyr. For a good man to die for, for something that he didn't do, that would make him a martyr. Jesus' death, though, is so much more significant because it destroyed the power of sin and death, and it destroyed the barrier between God and people. And that sign for us was the torn curtain. That's why Romans says, by his blood, we are saved. See, Jesus didn't die a martyr's death. Jesus died a savior's death. And because all of this is true, the writer of Hebrews kind of wraps up this whole thought by saying this, and let us Consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another, 
and all the more as you see the day approaching. Because our salvation is a free gift through the grace of God, the grace that Jesus won for us on the cross. And now there's no barrier between us and God. And that should change the way we live. That's what the writer of Hebrews is saying. And so these verses are about now, how do Christians come together? How do Christians, we say around here, circle up so that we can grow in our spiritual maturity? So he says, when you circle up, when you get together, this is what you do. Spur one another along to more love and good deeds. And meet together often. Encourage one another. Pray for one another. Serve alongside one another. Study God's word, to do, God's word together. And all the more do this as we're waiting for the day of the Lord to come. We don't know when the day of the Lord's going to come. We don't know when Jesus is going to return, but until he does, we're going to press on as Christian people, and we're going to grow spiritually, and we're going to try to follow him all the more. I once bought a book at a Christian bookstore that said, Why the World is Going to End in 1996. I bought the book in 1999. <laughs> it was on a clearance rack. At a Christian bookstore in Arkansas, sorry Arkansas, I'm not making fun of you, but. <laughs> and when I went to the register with the book, I said to the clerk, I can't believe you're charging me for this book. I mean, it was only 50 cents, but I can't believe you're charging me for this book. And she said, well, then why do you want it? And I said, because it's funny. <laughs> and it's, it's kind of ridiculous. We don't, we don't know the day that the Lord's going to return. But we want to press on until he does. Doing our thing. Because until he does, the church is his great rescue plan for the world. We're the ones that bring the power of the cross to the ears of people who need to hear it. We're the ones that have the chance to love the unlovable. In our ministry, our mechanism for making this happen at Messiah, to help us love each other, to help us inspire one another to good deeds, to pray and to serve alongside each other in community, that all happens in community groups. That's our mechanism. That's our ministry. Sean Acor says in his book, The Happiness Advantage, he says that researchers found that social bonds were not just predictive of overall happiness, but also of eventual career achievement, occupational success, and income. It's not The social bonds are not just important for your happiness, they're important for your success in life. So apparently, if you join a community group, you're going to get a raise. I'm not sure if that's true, but I'm just going to go with it for a little bit. Whether you're new to Messiah or whether you've been here a while, we want you to feel that sense of community that Sean's talking about in his book. This sense of community that helps all of life be better. That's the truth. That sense of community. The best way to discover that at Messiah is through a community group. To grow in your relationship with Jesus, it's important that you have intentional relationships with people who have that same goal, who want faith to grow. And a community group is our ideal place for that. 
We have men's groups, we have women's groups, we have couples groups, and of course, we, we have specialty groups. For example, we did Financial Peace University. This is a chance for people to help get their finances in order, and those are short-term groups. Now, the first meeting for all these groups that are going to be starting is at Group Link. We're going to have more of that, more information for you at the end today. Now, here's the thing. The advantage that community groups have over traditional Bible studies, the advantage that community groups have over traditional Bible studies is that they help a large church be small. In a group, you are known by people. People know what to pray for because they know what's going on in your life. In a traditional Bible study, the goal often is just to learn stuff. They're primarily about knowledge. Now, I have no problem with knowledge. I went to college for 12 years. For 12 years. But knowledge and religiosity are not the same as spiritual growth. Spiritual growth does not necessarily mean knowing more stuff. You can have lots of head knowledge and still be a gossip. You can be super religious and still be mean-spirited to people who are different from you. See, community groups are different because our focus is threefold. As we said around here at Messiah, they're threefold. We are a church that is about love and learn and live. And community groups fulfill that really well. Love, learn, live. In groups, we love each other. This is about community. This is about prayer. This is about having fun together, living life together. They were also about learning. Groups are the place we study God's word and participants get to interact with it. In church, it's largely felt like kind of like a lecture. But in groups, you get to interact with it. You get to question it. You get to doubt it. You get to ask questions about it. You get to see how it applies to your life personally. It's a chance for people to participate and interact and share and see what kind of insights God's giving them. So it's a great place to study God's word. Groups are also the primary place we get to live out our faith. Love, learn, and live. We get to live it out. Our vision at Messiah is to be a church that is for St. Charles because for too long the church has been known for what it's against and we want to be known for what we're for. And so one group might have a passion for serving at a food bank. And so they make that choice as a group. And another might want to raise money for a family who's got some financial trouble. Another group might want to volunteer at a school. Another might want to clean up a highway. We want the passion of your group and the ability that your group has, the access your group has to dictate how your group serves in our community. Now, we're going to have big serve campaigns that are like, the whole church coming together, like night to shine. That's a chance for everybody in the church to come and to serve and to volunteer together. But it's those small things, it's those individual passions that groups have. Those are going to be the things that are really the daily heartbeat of our church, the things that you choose to champion, and they will be the things that are the lasting difference in our community. Love, learn, live. Think of it like community, study, and serving. Community, study, and serving. And groups are our ministry. They're our mechanism to make our vision possible. 
every Fortune 500 company, every organization, every country, even the United States of America, they were started by a small group. A small group that was inspired to do something bigger than themselves. Facebook started in a dorm room. Apple started in a garage. And they were all, they just desired to do something bigger than themselves. And what each of these groups knew is that a team is not a group of people that just work together. A team is a group of people that trust each other. And that's core to our groups. I'm here at Messiah because I believe in this church, and I believe in you. And there's no place I'd rather be than a a place where Christians have the faith and want to go out and make a difference in the world, who commit themselves to growing in their spiritual maturity with Jesus. And I love that you're here. I wouldn't want to miss it, what our future is going to be for anything. Our vision is for St. Charles, but our mission is to connect people to Jesus. We are for our community because we want to connect people to Jesus. He's the source of life. He's the savior of the world. And and his church, Messiah, his church is his great mission strategy for success. The people who join groups here at Messiah are at the top of the list because of the 2,700 people that called Messiah home The people in groups are the leaders who are committing to each other. The ones who are growing in their faith. Who are committing to being in community and committing to make a difference in the world around them. And that's the kind of church I've always wanted to join, to be a part of. Now, customers will never love a company until the employees love it first. And outsiders will never come to love Jesus if our leaders don't love Jesus first. And outsiders will never come to love Jesus if you don't learn to love and care about each other first. And outsiders will never come to learn Jesus until you learn to love them first. See, the church doesn't happen in rows. The church really happens in circles. It can learn some things in rows, and it could do some things together in rows. But how we actually implement it, how we actually do it, how we be the hands and feet of Jesus, that happens in circles. When God's healing for the world happens in our groups, it happens in our homes, among our friends and our neighbors, it happens in community with others. This is going from going to church to being the church, not just going to church but becoming the church. And we have big dreams for this church, that people will come to Christ and come to know Christ and to love Christ, and it would not be possible without this launch that we're doing for GroupLink. And if what we're aiming for wouldn't take a miracle, then I don't think it's worth doing anyways. So it's going to be hard, but it's going to be amazing. And here's the thing. God has bigger dreams for Messiah than I ever could. God has bigger dreams and hopes and passion for this church than we ever could. Bigger expectations. And that's why Hebrews says, so let's spur one another along. Let's love together. 
Let's do good deeds together. Let's pray for each other. Let's encourage one another. Let's serve alongside each other. Let's study with each other. And let's just keep doing it till the Lord returns. At this time, I'm excited to invite to our stage our coordinator of community groups, Jill McCoy. Now, you might know Jill as Jill Devine. Jill was a radio host here in the St. Louis area for 20 years. And then when that was over, we said, hey, why don't you come into ministry? Would you welcome Jill to the stage? Thank you. I just want to tell you a little bit about my story and then a little bit about community groups. So, yes, it's true. I was in the radio business here in St. Louis for over 20 years. And towards the end of my career, which here's a plug for you. You can hear the whole story on a podcast called Normal Goes a Long Way, hosted by me (laughs) and supported by Messiah. But I was having this nagging feeling of unfulfillment. I just didn't know exactly what it was, but there were things that were keeping me there. Like, I loved being a storyteller to the listener, and I loved supporting my community, and I loved giving advice through my other podcast, Two Kids in a Career, but something was missing. Oh, and I had a full-time job, I had a steady income, and I was the primary insurance holder for our family, so why would I just leave? with no plan B. We probably have all experienced this. It's crazy how God works. And um, he knew exactly what he was doing the day that my radio career ended. So I, like I said, I love telling stories. I love measuring uh, connection through stories. I love connecting people. I love that I'm growing my own faith on this whole journey, which is exactly what Messiah's Love Live Learn approach is. So, again, God is reminding me I'm exactly where I should be, which is the community coordinator, community groups coordinator here at Messiah, and not on the radio. So, like I said, since I like storytelling, uh, I want to tell you that community groups have two primary goals to take our members and our leaders and connect them relationally, but have them grow spiritually. And since I like stories, I decided that the best story to tell you is to have two members of one of our community groups tell you about their spiritual growth and how joining a community group really heightened that. So I'd like to introduce Dan and Amy Lutz. about community groups in Messiah by an email that came out saying they were going to get started. And at first, we were not thinking that we were going to join. We had a whole lot going on at that time, and we thought that would be one more thing that we might not be able to do. But we decided to give it a shot because we both really wanted to get more involved in the church and meet more people. The biggest thing that we got from it was how to communicate better, how to take time out for 
um, having God lead us through our marriage, through parenting, and also just to have this group of people that were there for us and we got to be there for. So as a couple, we went through a few milestones over that period of time we were in group. Um, we had changes of employment, we had loss of parent, um, as well as the other group members did have milestones they went through too. And it was just amazing to see how, like we would do a meal train for a family that had lost a loved one or at the end of every um, session, they would pray upon our families and anything that we needed help with. I, I had never really spoken to God before. I, I, I had grown up in um, uh, peripherally in church, and my parents um, are faithful. However, um, it was nothing. It was something that I never really adhered to. The group format, the relationships that I built through that group. It really opened my eyes and opened my, my soul. So since that first group has ended, um, Amy and I uh, decided to dive in and, and lead a group, lead a group on parenting, but also uh, with couples that, as it turns out, have children the same age as ours. Yeah, I was nominated to become an elder here with, uh, at Messiah, which was um, just an incredibly humbling honor. Um, and I'm, and I'm excited to serve in any way that I can. And it's, um, it's just been a wonderful experience, and I feel like it's all started with the groups. I'll be there.